You're listening to The Gap Project. I'm Rhonda Elizabeth. And I'm Aaron Stallworth. This is the time in the episode when we're usually talking smack and getting settled for probing news discussions and a great interview. However, this episode is a little different. Yes, we are pausing our scheduled episode to honor the life of Vernon Jordan. As much as he was America's consummate power broker, he was also a thoughtful mentor to countless up-and-coming Black Americans. When his death was announced on March 2nd, our social media timelines flooded with touching personal memories from our friends. These stories reinforced what many had said about him, that he was a giant and he was a person. Mr. Jordan likely could identify with young people on new paths because he came from humble beginnings. Born in 1935, he grew up in public housing in Southwest Atlanta, University Homes, the first public housing project in the United States, then left to attend DePaul University, despite his mother's insistence that he would feel more comfortable at Howard University. He did later earn his law degree from Howard University School of Law and had a remarkable career in civil rights organizations, corporate law firms, and investment houses. Many aspire to a career in one of those fields. Vernon Jordan led in all three of them. As his stature ascended, he remained firmly connected to Black community and mentored established leaders like Ken Chenault, the former CEO of American Express, Ursula Burns of Xerox, and our guests today, who are relatively young in their careers. We're talking with Nasir Kadri, founder and partner of a venture capital firm, and Kim McClure, a foreign service professional, about the ways that Vernon Jordan touched their lives and supported their careers. My name is Nasir Kadri. I am the founder and managing partner of Zeal Capital Partners, a Washington DC based venture capital firm uh, dedicated to partnering with exceptional diverse managing teams that are rethinking the building blocks of wealth from education to employment to financial wellness that we believe triple charges economic mobility. Vernon Jordan was my hero. I remember uh, a couple weeks after graduating from Hampton University and historically Black College University. And I marched my way up, up to New York City to start my career off at Goldman Sachs. And when you start your career on Wall Street as a Black banker, uh, a few, very few, count on uh, one hand, and, and Vernon Jordan was always that uh, one person that uh, everyone said, you have to get in front of Vernon Jordan. So uh, I didn't waste time. Literally my first month in New York after getting settled, passing my series seven and 63, um, I met Vernon um, in this New York um, Lazard office today now over a decade ago. And we bonded over grits. Many who know Vernon, um, he has a love for grits. And me from the South, first generation college graduate um, from Atlanta, like Vernon, um, 
and not, not even just from Atlanta, from the same neighborhood, Southwest Atlanta, AKA SWATs, um, university home projects. I was born on the campus of Clark Atlanta um, where my mom was a sophomore and, but she stayed in university homes as part of her dormitory. And, but that's not where Vernon and I connected. It was over our love for grits. And w- that first meeting was two hours, which was earmarked for only 30 minutes. But um, I guess he um, saw something early in me across that first 30 minutes. And fast forward, he um, took a strong interest in me in terms of how I thought about leveraging this career in the private sector and financial services um, with the means to make an impact. Um, couple that experience, that skill set, expanding my Rolodex, which Vernon was excellent at in terms of his connections, his advising, advising presidents and civil rights activists. But he really shaped my thinking on the importance of leadership, of mentorship, and service. And um, that's what I'm processing and reflecting today is, is, is recognizing what he's built and um, knowing what he would want from all of us, all of his mentees, is to build on top of what he set forward. And I'm thinking about what that looks like right now, um, uh, given his loss this morning. Did he take salt or sugar on his grits, or do you know? Uh, Sugar. You can tell a lot about a person uh, when you go into their home and you look through their vinyls and you leave the house, you can tell a lot about a person. Now, nowadays, it's, it's on your, it's on your phone. You can tell a lot about a person, also, uh, whether or not if you, if if you take salt or, or sugar. He was a sugar person, so not it was just just butter. Um, during that first, that first meeting, of many meetings, it was sugar and a little bit of butter. <clears throat> well, I'll keep that conversation going. I'm a salt kind of gal, so maybe Mr. Jordan would have advised me to evolve my thinking to move on to, uh, to he sugar. He would have pushed you. It, it would have <laughs> given you, you a hard time, but it was, um, he would have joked with you. He had, a, he had an amazing sense of humor too. Um, but um, yeah, an amazing sense of humor, which uh, it reminded us not to, you know, bring joy to life, bring laughter into life. And, uh, you know, don't take yourself too serious all the time. Find that space to, to, to enjoy yourself and to share it. I did that. Did you and Mr. Jordan exchange DAP? This is the DAP project. We'd like to know about the DAP aspect of the relationship. Or were you a handshake kind of relationship? What was happening there? We, we did the, uh, so I, 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 going back to what grandma t- taught me, you know, you keep it high level. Grandfather Jack did as well. We I gave a firm handshake. He has huge hands, by the way. Um, and I feel so like I have pretty 
big hands, but he his hands. <laughs> it's a little self conscious. <laughs> it, it, it 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 definitely made me a bit self conscious, Rhonda. Um, but it's funny, as as we've gotten closer, and you know, it was we've done the head nod, you know, from well, well, when I when I was you know when we go to see each other different galas or or different you know uh, fancy people things yeah <laughs> different events and it, but as i got close you know it, it would we, we've done the, the the fist bump uh, a couple times and uh, you know i we didn't we haven't gotten to the point where we fist bump and blew it up i don't think we we, we didn't get there <laughs> but um but definitely we 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 handshaked and uh and yeah, I mean, I, I he told me to call him Vernon, Vernon, but I wanted to keep it like, you know, cordial with him as, you know, make, make sure I was maintaining that, that level of respect. Um, but yeah, we definitely had a bond, it's just a vine contact. Um, and he, he didn't, he never shied away to, Tell me about myself as well. <laughs> that was going to be my, my next question, actually. So I understand you guys are from the same neighborhood and in Southwest Atlanta, and you have this love of um, sugary grits. Um, a man of his stature, he's a man of tremendous stature and accomplishment, but it sounds like he made you feel seen, which is what uh, DAP can communicate between two men is I see you. So can you tell me a little bit about the ways that he made you feel seen despite your age difference and, totally. you know, you're just getting started. He's already accomplished so much, but mm -hmm. he helped you to feel comfortable and to feel seen. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, let me you know, preference and also say that Rhonda, he was the um, mentor of folks who were still a lot older than me. <laughs> like Ken Chenault and Ray McGuire and Bill Lewis and Wes Moore and Robert Rufkin, uh, folks who have also uh, played an intricate role, uh, a, a, a vital role in my career. You know, Vernon, thou the age difference and the, the connection around the where, where we're from, he, given my interests at the intersection of of, of business and entrepreneurship and in service. You know, when you think about how Vernon wanted to, or chose to impact change, affect change, it was, we don't think of Vernon being on the, on the front lines with Martin, with Martin Luther King and Ralph David Abernathy, Mega Edwards and Malcolm X and uh, John Lewis, he he he, he didn't oppose. He, he he was he understood that that was needed, but to truly make systemic change, particularly for Black people, an opportunity, he felt it had to come from where, the boardroom, and so Vernon um, really, um, and 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 especially over the past year, I. I went out and protested a couple of times, but I wasn't as proactive as my younger sister. And I think there's 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 ways in which um, you can truly make an impact. You while protesting is one thing. Um, when I started thinking about what my role was, I did reflect, and I actually called uh, 
Vernon in, in terms of like what where I, I feel like I can be doing more. And I remember I was still maybe a month or two when I decided to launch my investment firm. And he said, man, it's funny how God works, isn't it? Because the very crux of your work, the, 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 the fact that you are, how did he put this? The fact that you're investing in businesses that will impact black folk around wealth, income inequality and, 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 and skills as it relates to uh, increasing student achievement and, and education and employment outcomes, that's, that's your work. And so he talked a lot about knowing your work. Um, and actually it's a, it's, a, it's a conversation that a lot of us uh, that, that are connected to Vernon, like Wes and Robert, myself and a number of others who, who, who we have these intimate conversations with, with, with Vernon around our work. But, but to your question also directly is him reminding us about recognizing our worth recognizing that we, we should never feel insecure or have imposter syndrome, um, second guessing that whether or not if we were, if we are the, if we're the right person for the job. I remember he, he actually, uh, Robert Refkin and, and Vernon uh, pushed me to, 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 um, to apply for the White House Fellowship. Uh, this was actually two years ago. So this was in the middle of 45 and it was less about who was in office, but more about the opportunity um, given it was a bipartisan fellowship and the, the stature of the fellowship. And, but to me, I, I just said, well, when people, should I go through this fellowship? People are not gonna say, oh, it was a bipartisan fellowship. People are gonna ask me who was in office. And uh, just given all of our, uh, 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 disinterest on, in, in terms of who was in office, uh, it was, we, 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 we were trying to figure it out, but <laughs> I'm sure, I actually ended up uh, going and applying, got, got all the way to the final round and, and did not, uh, fortunately, I think God was with me this is it, and did not. Um, he blocked it. Over. Uh, he blocked, he blocked it. it. He blocked it. But, but Vernon did, uh, uh, you know, saw enough of, in me to to apply for the White House Fellowship, but also um, encouraged me to start this investment firm. Um, and during my market mapping, you know, you know, strategizing the crux of 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 of, of zeal, I leveraged, uh, I leaned on him, um, you know, just for very short conversations because I, I knew he was. He was uh, he was unavailable often um, as he was getting uh, sick. So I, I got a sense that he didn't he wasn't he wasn't going to be available as much as I would you know wanted wanted to to uh, be um, around him and, and leverage his guidance. But um, but he he sh he showed me and reminded me that um, this is my calling. So I'm wondering, what's the significance of the boardroom in your mind and that you could glean from Mr. Jordan as why it was really important to him? Yeah, when, when you think about the boardroom, actually, there's this, it was, I'm in a chat 
um, that asked the question, who has the most um, uh, say so, the CEO or the board, the board members. And I'd say really the, the board members in many ways, you know, the board members typically uh, run, uh, have oversight over salary and just overall direction of the company. But when you think about a voice that's dedicated uh, and just highlighting Fernan, dedicated to um, access and justice and equality for black people, then without him, that, 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 um, that voice, that demand for action goes silent, goes lost. It, it's not on the agenda. And so when we have more, um, it can be black or white, but because I think black folk who are proactive and have a strong voice could, could um, also encourage other white folk to also come alongside and be their ally and have just as a strong, if not a stronger voice than that black board member. Bernie has a very commanding voice. When he speaks, everyone listens. And I can only imagine, Rhonda, that how many times he's checked his board mates' blind spots and used so much reverse psychology questioning, given his legal background, on their points of views on particularly the Black community, on how we think about the housing crisis and budgeting and education and in re-entry citizens and homelessness, all these social issues that Vernon leaned in during his uh, tenured as the CEO of the NAACP and the United Negro College Fund and then going into um, uh, uh, Fortune 500 boards. To clarify, Vernon Jordan was the Georgia field director for the NAACP and the executive director of the United Negro College Fund. That was an inch that, and, and, and at my understanding, he ended up getting a, a great deal of backlash from our community because he was often the only black board member, but he felt this, it was important. It was important to, um, to have a balance, to, to have those fighting on the front, uh, marching on the front lines and, and, and being our voice uh, protesting and, and pushing legislation, but also at the corporate level to make sure not only make sure we have, we have a voice um, in the private sector as well that encourage, um, later encourage black CEOs like Ken Chenault, who later became under, because of Vernon, who later became the, uh, uh, one of the first black CEOs at a Fortune 100 company. Vernon actually ended up um, joining the board of American Express um, and Ken's uh, one of Vernon's biggest mentees. time that uh, you can recall hearing Mr. Joyton's voice in your head when you were about to make a decision or perhaps you were in a situation and um, you know we have those flashbacks where we say I was in such and such situation and I could hear this person in my head saying 
Was there a time like that for you? It was. I, um, my time on Wall Street wasn't as, as lengthy, even though I'm still fairly young, but it wasn't as <laughs> lengthy as, uh, <laughs> let me be clear on that. Um, as, as <laughs> to be clear, Nasir is still young. Don't get it twisted. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still fairly on the young side. Um, but it was, um, I had to make a decision. I grappled with uh, going to business school or, um, or continuing to work. I, I felt I was, I, I was at a point like most people in finance or consulting, you kind of hit a wall and you got to make a decision whether or not if you want to go to business school or, or some form of you know, graduate degree. The more I look back at that tough decision, whether or not to go to business school or go to um, uh, this venture firm down and you know, move to Washington DC and join this venture capital firm, that was ultimately my ultimate, my ultimate goal. He, he would always tell, tell me to, to go with your gut, go with your gut and, but ask yourself, you know, you know, is it, you know, we talk a lot about compensation. We talked a lot about um, um, autonomy, you know, just understanding your career trajectory. Could you, do you, this is, this is, a, this is a space where you see yourself, you know, growing. And so making sure you have the necessary resources to, to grow. Um, professionally, um, for in, terms of, in terms of professional development, talked a lot about personal growth as well. Uh, you know, this is a place you all you're you're hitting it uh, where you do you want to start a family at this point? You know, and so he he gave me this. He would always push me to think holistically. He would push a lot of us to think holistically, and um, and so the more I I thought about it, long story short, I ended up not decided to go to business school. They were gracious enough to offer a, uh, 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 deferment. Even after a couple of years, I still said, you know, uh, humility side, I was making, uh, more, um, in terms of my salary, uh, than your top five average school business school graduates. So I thought I was making, doing, I made the right decision, but I found given after reflecting on his guidance along with mom and grandma and a number of cousins and close friends i felt that um uh you know his his guidance and their guidance absolutely helped me um you know really kickstart my career as a venture capitalist um a mission driven um venture capitalist that uh that understands that the breadth of innovation is everywhere, and particularly innovation that um, that directly impacts low wealth communities and, and and people as well. One last question. So, in thinking about who he was and who he was to you, what character trait of his do you think that you'll carry on? Being proactive and fearless. I'm, I'm, I want to just give three proactive, fearless. <laughs> it went from one to two to three. three. People, it's your world, Nasir. Talk pe to people us. Say, pe people say that you people remember things in three. So uh, that's my comeback. But uh, to be uh, proactive, to be fearless, and to be loyal. Um, 
because you know you can all you can bet on see someone asking what's the essence of the essence of vernon is loyalty it's fearlessness and his ability to proact be proactive and that's that's why people call him um america's you know power broker uh, because that's what he did he built new meaningful relationships he understand the problem he asked the right questions probe when need be um in, in efforts to, to get to a solution to come to some form of common ground um and i those characteristics um my hope is that i can build on top of that and implement that in my career both personally and professionally thank you my friend I appreciate your honesty and your reflection, and I wish you the best as you come to terms with this transition and the relationship that you have with him. Thank you so much, Rhonda, for this space and for this opportunity. My name is Kim McClure. I am from Louisville, Kentucky, and I am a foreign policy professional. Vernon Jordan to you. Vernon Jordan, Mr. Jordan was a, a godsend at the right time. I met him close to somewhere between tw- 10 and 12 years ago now at my boss's funeral, Ambassador Richard Holbrook. And we just struck up a conversation briefly during the reception. And I asked him if I could stay in touch with him because I, I had something I wanted to talk to him about a program that I was launching to partnership with a nonprofit called Global Kids to create opportunities for um, Black and Latino youth from underserved neighborhoods in Washington, D.C. to expose them to foreign policy issues, international careers, and take them abroad. Um, And he said, yeah, sure. Uh, Gave me his card, said, you know, email me. We'll set up a time to uh, have you come by my office and we can talk more about it. And so I did. I followed up. He didn't know me from Adam at the time, uh, other than that chance meeting at the funeral. And I mean, he strategized with me over the course of several weeks. Um, I think we met for at least an hour that first time. And he really knew the D.C. philanthropy scene uh, in a way that I certainly didn't kind of said, yeah, you know, a lot of D.C. philanthropy and funding is tied up in education and the charter school movement. Uh, so it's kind of hard to break in. Um, he said, but but tell you what, uh, I believe in what you're trying to do. And so he wrote letters, probably 10 to 20, to high-level D.C. philanthropists, to some of his personal friends. And he said, you know, one entity that actually has quite a bit of money around town for philanthropy that but that people don't think to go to are law firms Uh, so he wrote pretty much all of the top law firms in DC also asking them to donate to the Global Kids DC uh, summer program that we were launching and yeah I just appreciated that so much because I think that it is rare for someone you know of his orbit and stature to really make the time to put his own energy resources network into helping build the dreams of someone he really didn't know. You know, I, I, I didn't come to him through, you know, someone else 
of his stature introducing us, you know, we just kind of bumped into each other at that event, but he stayed in touch with me throughout the year uh, to make sure we met our goal and that that program successfully got off the ground. That program still exists today. So, and, you know, I think he came into the process at a time where I had been getting so many no's in my fundraising efforts that I was really starting to feel discouraged. Um, and so that chance meeting with him really kind of turned the ship around uh, and kept me going. That's an amazing story that he stayed in touch with you. Well, first that he strategized with you for the first meeting mm -hmm. and then stayed in touch with you over the uh, successive months to make sure that you met your goal. Um, do you feel like there's a character trait of his that you see yourself carrying on? I certainly hope so. Uh, you know, that willingness to, no matter where I get in my life, to be willing to invest in the lives of others and their dreams, whether I know them well or not, that is a unique and special trait that I think he had and something I really hope to pay forward and honor his legacy by, by doing that for others. Yeah, and reflecting on that trait, we always think of the phrase or term, I see you uh, here at the DAP Project. You know, giving dap is a way of black men to say, I see you. You hear all the time amongst, when I'm amongst my female friends, I, I see, hear you all saying, I see you, girl. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. <laughs> How do you feel that uh, Mr. Jordan, Vernon Jordan, uh, kind of was saying, I see you? Yeah, I think he recognized in me um, some determination, some hustle, an effort to give back, but that I was also trying to do something that might have been slightly out of my league for the time in turn and trying to tap into DC's uh, philanthropy scene without the right connections. And I think he recognized that hustle, that determination, that boldness, you know, to just ask someone for help, even though I didn't know him or have a strong connection to him. Uh, so that for me was the ICU moment. And I know that he did that for others, uh, particularly other young Black students or Black professionals. I have a friend, uh, Gretchen Cook Anderson, who um, posted a tribute to him on her own Facebook page saying that when she was, I believe, a college student, she was looking to study abroad in Japan. She was at Howard University, but trying to still raise funds for it. Uh, she read like a newspaper or magazine article about him and said, huh, this guy's in DC and he seems to have a lot of influence and connections. Uh, I'm struggling to, to kind of, I think, raise the last $5,000 that she needed for her uh, study abroad trip to Japan. And she came across Mr. Jordan's name, I think in either a newspaper or a magazine article and said, you know, this is a long shot, but he seems like someone with a lot of, um, you know, connections and influence and who is committed to the community. So let me just reach out to him for advice. Uh, she cold called him, 
didn't know him. He didn't know her. And she says he said to her, you've got some nerve cold calling me at my office out of the blue, asking me to help you with this. But why don't you come by my office and we could talk about it some more. He similarly strategized with her, you know, got uh, some, I think, an educational foundation to like pitch in the last bit of money that she needed to make that happen. And I think that is another example of him saying to, you know, young black people, I see you, I see what you're trying to do. I know what it is to be trying to do something bigger than yourself and, you know, what you've traditionally seen people in your community do. And I want to help you make it a reality. A lot of people talk about willingness to do that, but very few people do it in practice in my experience. And it's particularly rare to hear stories of someone like Mr. Jordan who did it time and time and time again. What I uh, really admire and respect about him is that you know he came from humble beginnings and he realized the kind of rarefied air as my people of my parents generation might um say uh he was you know circulating in um and he knew kind of what opportunities his network and his influence could uh could open the doors to for other uh young black people and he was never afraid to use it. He never asked for credit or public acknowledgement. And so it was really touching similarly this week to see how many people in my life had some kind of connection to him or that he quietly mentored uh, who I didn't know about until he passed and people started sharing those stories on social media because he, you know, he, he worked quietly, but very assuredly. When you are walking in your purpose and doing something even that seems hard, um, if it is what you're meant to do and part of your purpose, you know, there are angels who will appear out of nowhere to help you reach that goal. Um, And I certainly think that that is something I believe in deeply. I think he was, you know, that angel uh, at that moment. And, you know, I believe firmly, uh, I've seen other examples of that in my life. Um, And I, I think that, you know, my engagement with him was further testament to that. Oh, that's beautiful. Brennan Jordan wrote a recommendation letter for me back in 2015. I had never met Mr. Jordan at the time, but upon learning that I was looking for a new position, he offered to write a letter. His letter was the most thoughtful and personal recommendation that I had ever received. He captured the essence of me, a black man, an educator, a person who wanted to use his resources to help others. Vernon Jordan spoke me up as if we had known each other for years. Again, we had never met. He only knew of me because a woman he offered mentorship to told him that I was applying to a position with a new organization. That woman was my wife, fortunately. I'd like to share her remarkable story of meeting Brennan Jordan with you. Those of you who are her Facebook friends are privy to this story. 
but feel free to listen as I read this recollection from her. This is her voice, by the way. In 2012, one of my legal heroes and mentors, John Payton, passed away suddenly. John was the reason I, I joined Wilmer Hill Law Firm after my clerkship. And he was the reason I worked as a fellow at the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, the civil rights organization that John was leading when he passed. John's wife asked me to speak at his memorial service. Vernon Jordan, who was close to John, was the master of ceremonies at the service. And we met very briefly. A week after John's service, Vernon called me to work. I thought my assistant was joking when she ran into my office to tell me that Vernon Jordan was holding on the line. He told me that he was moved by my words about John and his mentorship. And he said, I want to help you. John's no longer here, but you can call me if I can ever be helpful to you. I want you to reach out. And so I did. And up until last year, we had regular breakfasts together, always at the Four Seasons, always at the same table, where he would tell the best stories. He challenged me about what I wanted to do with my career and gave me advice, some solicited, some not. He was so generous with his time. He drafted more emails than I can count, introducing me to people who he thought it would be helpful for me to know. He helped me think through the pros and cons of various job opportunities. He wrote a recommendation letter for my husband. When during one of our breakfasts, I told him I had to leave early to try to find a seamstress to do an emergency fix on something I wanted to wear that night. He picked up his phone and made a call to someone who squeezed me in a few hours later because I was a friend of Vernon. One of the most incredible things about Vernon is that what he did for me, he did for so many. He was passionate about helping young Black people. He loved meeting and helping Howard Law grads. I've watched the Vernon stories pour in today, and so many people have similar stories about his kindness, his willingness to help, to make a call, write a letter, donate, meet for breakfast. I'm incredibly fortunate to have had the opportunity to get to know Vernon. I am so thankful that he called me that day. He was a remarkable man who lived a remarkable life. I will forever be grateful for his kindness and his guidance, and I will do my very best to pay it forward. Those remarks are from Danielle Conley. Thank you for listening to our tribute to Mr. Jordan. A very heartfelt thank you to our guests and friends, Nasir Kadri, Kim McClure, and Danielle Conley by way of her husband, Aaron. We know there are countless moments to share in honor of Mr. Jordan. Let us continue to cherish those moments. Let us give our living legends and the folks we cherish their roses often and while we are sharing this planet with them. I hope we keep in mind what Kim said, that when we are walking in our purpose, angels find us to help us along the way. May we all be clear in our purpose and renewed in our walk. Thank you again for listening. Resistance is a highway with many lanes, and I hope you find yours. Take care, folks. Mm -hmm.